It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back with the Flow Track Podcast, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Got a lot to talk to talk about today with my co-host Gordon Mack. I'm Kevin Sully. Gordon, we got a world record. We got a collegiate record. We even got a North American U20 indoor record. How excited are you? Uh, I mean, I'm just excited that we had 47 D1 or not D1, 47 NCA indoor meets last weekend. 47. Like, okay. That's a little bit of normalcy there, right? When's the last time we had 47 track meets in a weekend? <laughs> You'd know the answer to that uh, better than I or better than probably everybody else uh, listening because you keep close tabs on these things. But you're right. Over the weekend, scrolling through the results – looking at social media, seeing crazy fast times pop up, it did feel like a normal weekend. And it was so strange because ordinarily we'll see one of those things happen in a weekend because there's three meets and one of the three meets produces a fast time or there's a random time trial or a road race or a virtual meet and someone does something spectacular. But this, yeah, it felt it felt more like, I guess, about a year ago, around a year ago or 11 months ago. Um, in terms of just the volume of, of results that were coming through. Yeah, and uh, it was inter- it's interesting to see that a lot of these athletes haven't missed a beat. You know, they the long break hasn't really stopped them from being able to go out there and put up a great mark or a top-tier mark right away. Um, we'll go through some of the top um, college marks and some high school and some pro marks, but uh, it felt like just normal it felt like a good old normal it's weird what you what you used to take for advantage now just it feels uh you're grateful you're grateful for normalcy which i think mm-hmm. we kind of had this past weekend just kind of nice outside of the sixers yeah. losing and their game game postponed and all that stuff in the nba with 14 games being postponed but outside of that yeah things are yeah. Normal. yeah yeah <laughs> i think this tweet from lsu uh, Coach Todd Lane is pretty interesting in light of what you were saying. And he tweeted this weekend, this indoor collegiate season, will see many more bigger marks earlier than usual, a sense of urgency and people getting to their main event earlier because never know when you could be quarantined or shut down and miss a few meets happy to return to competing. And you looked at the results and it, it was borne out. You didn't, you saw fewer people messing around with, with 600s or 1Ks, not to say nobody ran those events. You saw a lot of people getting after it right away because if you're trying to qualify for NCAA indoors, you don't know how many opportunities you are going to get. You have a schedule on your team's website, but there's no guarantee you're going to be able to run all those meets. You're not guaranteed that the the school hosting those meets is going to continue to host those meets. So if you have an opportunity – and you're at a starting line, you need to make sure that it's a that it's a good one in 2021. Yeah, so I think we should run down 
uh, some of the top uh, performances that we that went down, and then I'll do a little bit of the under the radar marks that mm-hmm. I noticed because I'm keeping track of rankings here, there, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, on the well, we should start with the world record because it's a world record, even though it's not in the United States, and it's in the indoor triple jump. But listen, hey. Indoor triple jump world record, that was enough for Yulemar Rojas to win World Athlete of the Year in 2020. So maybe this will be enough for uh, Zango to win World Athlete uh, of the Year. But Hughes, Fabrice, Zango, Burkina Faso, 18.07 in the triple jump. Anytime you go over 18 meters, that's a massive performance. He's the first guy to do it. Indoors breaks the world record of his coach, Teddy Tamgo. Gordon, and that's a one of the top 15 performances, indoor, outdoor, regardless. So monster jump there for, for Zango, which means, you know, some, some competition, if you're looking at this from the U.S. perspective, from uh, for, for Christian Taylor in, in the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, I feel like even though it was a world record, similar to when the women's world record was broken last year, it's kind of hard to, for some reason, it's like, not as marquee of, of an event where, you know, it's not like breaking the mile world record, a hundred meter world record. So it's easier for it to go under the radar. I, the one thing I thought though, when it happened was I need more Christian Taylor indoor triple jumps. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, Christian mm-hmm. Taylor should own Christian Taylor should be the world record holder in everything indoor and outdoor. Like he's like dominates every, every event for the past decade. Uh, constantly just like being able to perform the championship level at the right moment, at the right time. And then, you know, it's the guy who gets third goes out there and, and breaks the world record. I'm like, Christian Taylor should own it. So I think we need to have Christian Taylor invitational every weekend until the world record is under his <laughs> belt. That's what we need. we need. We need to start that. That's interesting that that was your takeaway. When I watched this, I thought I kind of felt bad for him. That he got his world, he got his world record moment, Zango, but there were very few people there to see it. You could hear a pin drop every single time his foot hit the ground. You could hear it because there were so few people there. There was some applause and some celebration, obviously, when they put the mark up and you see that he he jumped as far as, far as he did. But man, these athletes train a lifetime for that moment. There's no guarantee when they're going to get it. I'm sure that he'd rather have it now than risk not having it at all. But just being able to celebrate with the crowd would probably take that to the next level. When you're growing up and you think about breaking world records, you don't envision doing it in a, I don't, I don't know how many people were there, but it sounded like maybe a hundred people were, were in the vicinity, in the facility, 50, maybe I'm not sure, but it just, it, it was so, it looked so low key for such a big performance. Hey, it's, if it was a Bowerman track club record, it would be the perfect environment. You know, they love yeah, running exactly. <laughs> in the middle of the woods, no one around, time trial where there's no competition. They love that. So it was a yeah. very uh, – sorry, I don't mean to throw Bowerman on the bus like that, but you get the idea. I mean, that's track, yeah. though, sometimes. Track is all about, like, sometimes doing things un- in, like, non-championship-style fan environment type situations and people are like used to having super low-key meets so i feel like i think the athletes are kind of used to it they're used to having no one in the in the stadium like it's not like Mm -hmm. they're expecting eighteen thousand people to show up to their indoor track meet the way eighteen thousand people show up to the basketball game yeah not eighteen thousand, but a lot of this stuff looks like practice it looks like a big D1 team's practice the amount of people that are actually in in the facilities when they're when they're jumping or throwing or, or running, you just want you want a little a little bit more. Maybe not eighteen thousand, but even even like a thousand can get pretty loud. Um, let's just go down the list in terms of record records, I, I guess. I mean, collegiate record, obviously not as big as a world record, but let's talk about Casey Lightfoot real quickly before I move forward uh, at Baylor. You'd have thought since Mondo was at LSU for a year that he would have put the pole vault record like way out of reach, but it's now been broken twice. Since he was there, Nilsson and now Casey Lightfoot, who who jumped five ninety four uh, at the Texas Tech meet there, which I'm sure moved him to number one in your rankings if he wasn't there already. Yeah, 
uh, well, Nielsen only has outdoor. So uh, I'm thinking about the Olympic team, right? Because now you have Lightfoot, you have Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Like these two guys Kendrick. are going to come in and you have Kendrick. So like that, the pole vault men's team is turning into one of the harder teams to make, which I think is kind of mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, I mean, it could be like, hey, you need a you need a vault like five nine. Normally, like five eighty would get you onto the team, but you might be like, you need you need a vault five ninety in order to get on the team. That's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, dare I say it? What if like Kendricks has a bad day and all of a sudden Sam Kendricks could miss because of just the depth that US is developing in the pole vault? You know, I don't. It's it's wild. And also. Whenever a, a collegiate record gets broken multiple times by multiple people, it makes you wonder. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. That's not normal. Like, collegiate records yeah, should not yeah, be yeah. broken on a yearly basis by a different person. And it makes you think, oh, maybe we are trying to re- – like, the collegiate record was wrong. And by wrong, I mean, like, we needed someone to come – and like kind of re-elevate the competition. Because I feel like a lot of times okay. it's natural for I mean Carl Lewis talks about this with uh the horizontals, like the long jump. Like back in his day, like in the eighties, they're like jumping so much farther than they are jumping in the two in the twenty twenties. And he's like, What's yeah. happening? And like why they should be even better now. But I think uh it's just natural, especially in field events, to kind of only to compete up to your competition. And if the competition is on a down world, like not as elite as previous generations, you're not going to be motivated to, you know, be, you're not motivated to be better than the eighties. You're motivated to be better than the people who are above you at that moment. And I think maybe it took someone like Mondo to come in and be like, Hey, I'm a teenage sensation. I can do this in my sleep. I don't need to join the, the vault competition until everyone is eliminated and I can just do one vault blindfolded and I win. I feel Mm -hmm. like the rest of the up and coming vaulters are like, wait a minute. Like that's someone shouldn't be that much better than us. Like we, we maybe he has two legs and two arms and a brain and two ears and a nose. We should be able to do that too. If we put our mind to it. And I think Nielsen, being able to beat Mondo outdoors was a sign. And now Lightfoot's like, hey, Nielsen is no different from me. Like, I I train hard every day. I have a great coach, all this stuff. Why not me? I think mm-hmm. it's starting to, like, kind of have a domino effect of these athletes being like, hey, it takes one to kind of show what is possible. It's like the breaking four effect, right? When uh, Roger Bears broke four the following year, like 10 more people did or something like that. I think we're in the same realm with pole vaulting. I think Mondo comes in and has a dominant freshman year, goes on to now have a dominant pro career in the during a pandemic where he breaks all the world records. I think people like Lightfoot and Nelson see that and be like, hey, let's make vaulting over 590 normal and let's now make it, let's vault six meters at our peak. You know, so mm-hmm. long-winded answer saying Mo- greatness begets greatness. <laughs> Mondo's blindfolded pole vault does not get enough credit i think when you look through that up. a highlight oh okay sorry i thought he i thought he actually no, he did didn't it do it. He said he, okay well it be great then it, it gets the appropriate amount of credit then let's move to the middle distance let's move to the middle distance i think mo gordon texas a&m debut uh runs a 201 number five ncaa all time one by about eight seconds as well too this was basically a time trial for for mo and i think it sort of cemented the fact that she's the ncaa favorite which we shouldn't be surprised about even though she is a freshman remember she got fifth at usa's in 2019 and there weren't athletes in front of her that were gonna be in the ncaa when she came to the ncaa and last year's indoor season, you know, Nia Akins was the big favorite, but she's gone pro. So I think it makes 100% sense. I don't think it's a hy- uh, hyperbolic statement just based on one big run here to say she's the NCAA favorite. I mean, 201 is her overall PR as well, too. 
to a 107. So she's in great shape right now. And, and I think she's the one to beat. She's already separated herself from, from the rest of, of the NCAA. And it only took one race at Texas A&M to do it. Yeah. I mean, the only athlete who kind of had the ability to be in the mix with with a thing was Carly Thomas, who was a sophomore at Washington, but she is out with an injury. So yeah. now, because she, she went 202 last year. So now with her out, the next best woman is going to be a 204 probably. And if you're running 201, you know, yeah. then that makes yeah, you yeah. think, all right, we should, I mean, I'm sure Texas A&M coach is going to be thinking, all right, how can we strategically use her even better? Because we know she's going to win the 800 with her eyes closed backwards the way Mondo won the pole vault, right? So if you know you're <laughs> three to four seconds better than the rest of the field, you can approach the 800 in a different in a different realm because you know, like, hey, this isn't good. You know, it's just – I mean, how do you approach uh, – let me ask you. How would you approach this race? If you go into the – if she steps on that starting line and the next fastest girl has like a 205 PR. Yeah. And you're a 201. Like – it's gonna be like Caster there. It's gonna be like Caster Semenya yeah. at a Diamond League. Like I'm just better than you. Yeah. You guys can come for the ride, but I'm gonna win. I mean, yeah. And she seems to be most comfortable that way. We've seen her run a lot of fast times where she wins by huge margins. So I would definitely think she's gonna just run that strategy back as much as she can this year. But I don't. I don't know how else would you use her in her her freshman year. I would think you just try to get. So first season, just give her one race, see if she can win a national title, and and, and be happy with that. I don't know if does A and M have a DMR potential um, where where you could use her. I don't know. Like I think in, putting in her four, in the four hundred yeah, in the mile. I don't know. If, yeah, I, no, but I don't know. I mean, it's her first. It's her first season. It's her first season. I think you, ease her into it. I just think it's funny. In 2020, we kind of forgot how good – because we, there weren't any races. We kind of forgot how good she was, and we kind of forgot that she's going to go into the NCAA system. So you're dropping somebody who was fifth at USA's into the NCAA system. Of course she was going to be at the top because, like I said, some of the bigger names uh, either have, have moved on or, as you mentioned, have gotten hurt. So this this shouldn't come as a surprise that she's a favorite. There's the a part that is a little bit – surprising is the fact that she goes this quick this early with no competition because you could then see how she's eventually going to maybe you know run under two minutes after she gets another few races in her which under two minutes indoors is is serious that's a that's a that's quite a feat not many people do that i think that she she has the 800 million lock she the the fastest time last year in the women's 400 was 51 mm -hmm. six She's on 52 seconds. I think she looks at trying to go for the 4-8 double. Why not? Let's do it. I'm already I'm already putting expectations. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, did this surprise you, the fact that she was this good in the first meet? No. I mean, it was – I was looking – when I saw her name on the start list, I was like, all right, this is going to be good. She's going to run fast. And she did. Let's see if she ran the 4x4. Four four. I'm going to check. Mm -hmm. there's something um, to be said for for people who we always talk about how and this is true the benefit of going to the NCAA system is you get a lot of competition in the rounds you learn to work your way through it um but there is something to be said for someone who's just used to running out front and and they're completely comfortable with it like Mo was because that's that's what she did because she's never really had any competition unless she ran in these professional these professional settings or professional slash collegiate settings when she was still in in high school but when you're that fast that early you're not going to have a lot of people to to run with you she split 53 six in the four by four later that day mm -hmm. it's pretty good yeah does she remind you of another a&m runner i mean they're all starting i mean a&m and 800 meter runners is just like crazy you have Sammy Watson, Thing Moo, Devin Dixon, Donovan Brazier. Uh, who was it? Who was ja the Jamaican? Jasmine Frey. Jasmine, Jasmine Frey. Frey. So like, 
that's five all-time great 800-meter runners in a span of, what, five years? Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, that no, normally it... don't – you take any of those individuals and that is, like, the person that's, like, the poster child. Well, remember when we had that athlete that's on everyone's, mm-hmm. like, athletic department wall? And, like, Texas yeah. a was like, we had that type of caliber athlete five times in a row. And they – and <laughs> – even if them, even them leaving early, we still get more to come back. Like, yeah, I mean, Sammy Watson left early. Uh, Donovan, so it's like, I mean, it's going to be hard for a thing Mo to want to stay around beyond this year, right? I mean, if she Uh-oh, keeps running gonna, well, and then makes herself in trouble again, again. I know. Get but if in she trouble keep, again, I'm gonna get myself in trouble. But if she keeps running this well, goes on and makes the Olympic team. What else oh, is course. there for you to, to do? It's just like, right. and And I think, I'm not going to speak for you, but for me, when you see her run and get fifth at USA's in 2019, your mind immediately goes to, okay, this is a runner who's at that elite level already. You don't really think of her as a collegiate runner anymore. You think of her as, as diamond league quality right now. So then you watch this race on Saturday and she's in a Texas A&M jersey. And you're like, oh, okay, this is this is not what I expected. This is not how I – and I knew she went to – committed to Texas A&M, and we did the preview last week. I knew she was running in this race. But it's, it's weird to see her in that setting because she ran so fast and was so good, and we're seeing more and more people go pro early. You just associated it, her performances with, okay, I'm comparing her times to Ajay Wilson and to Raven Rogers. I'm not comparing her times – to collegians. So 201, 202. Okay, that's great, but she's gonna have to drop off some time to be competitive with Ajay Wilson. But then you say, wait, wait, hold on. 201, 202. No, no, no. Compare her to collegians and she's winning by 10 meters, which is what's happening or going to happen yeah. right now. I mean, look at this all time. I, I I got the all time list on here. We we have her number five right now. Is that that's correct? Number five um in NCAA history. So, I, I mean, know, I, you I think, yeah, hold on. I got the indoor thing here. I, I want to just read the, the names and the performances of who else is there. Uh, Je- so, Frey has the record, 200.69. Aikens, 200.71. Nicole Cook of Tennessee, 200.75. Raven Rogers, 200.9. And then Mo 201.07. So, she only needs to knock off uh, about four-tenths of a second to break Jasmine Frey's indoor collegiate record. Yeah, I think she's going to have a a career like Mondo did freshman year. You go in, your goal is to break indoor, outdoor, collegiate records, and win indoors and outdoors, and they call it a day. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. It, that's what uh... – And then two years later, have everybody break that same record because you've created a monster, <laughs> basically. Yes. That's what you're saying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, two years later might come around because if you look – if this is a good transition – there was a high school competition where we mm-hmm. saw a high school kid just run 202. So maybe we would see two years later <laughs> seeing these collegiate records go down again because uh, Juliet Whit- Whittaker, a junior, ran 202.97, number three all time. Uh, a Thing Mo has the record at number one. So in the same weekend where a Thing Mo runs 201, a high schooler, junior, runs 202. What are your thoughts on? that i was primed for a fast performance because nolan jez was talking maybe sub two um and i know that this field was was stacked when it comes to the best high school runners in in the nation but the way she ran it was just so controlled so easy she just blew everybody out essentially in that middle 400 and Looked really comfortable. But, yeah, you're right. So she's number three. I know in the United States we pay way more attention to collegiate records and NCAA records or and, and high school records. But in the rest of the world, they pay attention to the to the U-20 stuff. And if you do pay attention to U-20 records, Mo is now number one, and then Whitaker is now number three indoors. <clears throat> yeah, just an, just an incredible performance for her, Whitaker, 202.07. I, I'm, I'm curious to see now what where she goes – from here because high schoolers don't necessarily have a lot of opportunities to run in races this fast with this many people. 
but because she handled it with such ease, I think we could definitely see something. We, we could see another PR from her before the end of the year. And the Olympic, the Olympic 800 meter trials are going to be so young. You're going to have like older, you're going to have Ajay Wilson and Raven Rogers up top, but then you're going to have Sammy Watson, Whittaker, Mo. It's just going to be so many high school, college, and Mm -hmm. post, like just like college age. Yeah. All in that. Yeah. Finals can be fun. Yeah. That was a big, that was a big run. Um, for her, and that gets her a qualifier to the to the trials. Although uh, I don't think that surprised anybody that she'd be able to to qualify for for the trials. So women's eight hundred, yeah, going to be very interesting this year. Uh, men's eight hundred, I saw you flag this one. Taki Hadeli of Texas Tech, one forty five ninety eight. Uh, that's number ten NCAA all time, and the Algerian indoor record. Gordon. Hey, don't forget that. Don't big, forget that. Uh, don't forget about the Algerian indoor record. Um, yeah. Does Algeria have an indoor track in their country? Well, they had Nordin Morsali is Algerian, and did he used to hold the fifteen hundred meter world record? I think he did. I mean, he was big time. Um, so they've had some big time runners come through Algeria. No, I'm talking about has there been a is there an actual track facility in their country? Oh, I don't have that information for you currently, um, but I could look at it. Let's see, Morsali. Let me see how fast he ran. Uh, he ran 327.37 in the 1500, number 10 all time. So I'm assuming he ran an, in, uh, an 800 at some point, maybe not indoors. But anyway, tell us about uh, Hadeli, grad, so, graduate student yeah. now. He ran last year, but he ran last year, but we never saw him at a championship. He just, we just saw him at Big 12s. Yeah, he he's well. Here's the thing: his eligibility was he has he was a, he's a senior eligible indoor and a junior eligible outdoor. And mm-hmm. before this race, I think the original plan was for him to redshirt indoors, so then he could have do like a year outdoors and then come back next year and have senior senior, right? But mm-hmm. I think that changed last minute. Speaking of that, these indoor races, none of it counts towards eligibility, right? I think it does. Is this a, is, isn't this a free no. season? I thought cross was a free season. I think in I think fall I think winter is a free season as well. I think every season's free. I think you just go for it. I think we just see some ninth year seniors. <laughs> I, I think this doesn't count. Anyway, well, I think there was I li- maybe I'm wrong, but in the, I think there was an original plan for him to be a to red shirt this run unattached okay. this season. But I think maybe Texas Tech looked at their team, saw all their sprinters do do uh, during practice, and like, hey, let's go for it. He can get us big points in the eight hundred. Put him in a DMR, uh, and hey, right now it's paying off. One forty five. He's the favorite with all the top eight hundred meter guys not coming back in indoor because they only have outdoor eligibility, like the Festus Legats, Isaiah Jewett, Devin Dixon, mm-hmm. the other Iowa State guys. They're all not coming back till outdoor. I mean. He's going to be the heavy favorite now. I mean, Texas has a transfer from somewhere in Europe who's like a 146 guy. But, mm-hmm. hey, put down 145 right now in, in January. If he can hold up, that'll be hard to beat. We have yet – I mean, the 800 is kind of depleted because, again, all the top guys don't have indoor mm-hmm. eligibility. Uh, so it'll be huge points for Texas Tech. One thing I did notice, though, is – that his time did not get converted. So even though normally, it was at altitude. So here's the thing. So the Texas Tech Corky Classic run in Elbick, the 60s got converted to 0.02 seconds slower. The yeah. 200s did not get converted. The 400s did not get converted. The 800s uh, got converted to being faster. So hold on. Okay. So they converted distance times 800 and up to be faster because you're doing it at altitude. And they converted the 60 to be slower, but the 200 and the 400 did not get converted. Is that new? That seems kind of weird to like skip two events and not convert them. No? What did it, what did it get converted as? So 
what's his new? The eight hundred got what, converted what, what, to one forty five point six, so it got converted by point okay. three faster. The okay. six. Well, I mean, I guess if you're converted on a, slower, but the slower the two didn't get converted. Right. So I guess if you're on a continuum between fast and slow, maybe those two events are at the exact spot where they don't change them. But you know who would know this? Did. That's the thing. You know last who year they changed them. Well, maybe the altitude went up. Maybe Lubbock got a little higher, or maybe it went a little lower. You know who would know this would be Lincoln because he called Big 12s one year, and it was when Divine Dude was running really fast. But then he had the he had to figure out like where the qual like when he was trying to figure out qualifications, like what the time meant. And uh, I know it was kind of giving him a headache. Um, and then also the power went out that year, I think too. So it was a it was it was interesting, interesting time for Lincoln. Uh, okay. I'm guessing he was one of your under-the-radar performances, but what other people did we not notice that we should be taking note of? Uh, Florida State's Kashawn James, who was really good two years ago, uh, then had a a bad outdoor 2019. He only ran once in 2020, was injured, comes out and runs the NCAA lead, 657 in the 60. Mm-hmm. Florida State, they're back in it with all their, uh, their sprinters. Um, Another top time, Courtney Lindsay, Texas Tech guy. He ran a fast 60 and 200. Uh, so Texas Tech showing that they have uh, the bodies to put together some top sprinter results. Uh, my dark horse pick to make the Olympic team in the 200 started well. Abby Steiner of Kentucky runs 22-8 NCA lead. Mm-hmm. She's going to make the Olympic team. I'm, I'm predicting it right now. Uh, Can we wait on the NCAA lead stuff, though? Can we wait just like we want to wait on the world lead stuff? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I agree. You're right. You're right. I I respect it. Um, A D2 kid ran four flat. It's pretty good. Okay. Uh, Where's Lincoln at? Where's Lincoln? We had a bunch of hate for just calling him a D2 kid and not calling him by his name. So I I, got to correct myself and not call him a D2 kid. Uh, Christian Noble from Lee. He ran four flat point six. Um, in Birmingham, he's got a six-second lead over the second guy in, in D2. It's pretty good. Hmm. Solid. <laughs> Christian Noble, Solid so win. Four flat for him. Um, Connor Mance ran a 7.58 3K at their home track, which is at altitude, and it got converted down to a 7.47. So it got converted by 11 seconds faster. Oh. Hey. It's pretty good. That's good. That's uh, good. But Connor Mance running a 3K this early, 747. Does that mean Connor might run the 3K uh, indoors? That's the big question we're going to have is like, who are these top distance guys going to do at indoors? Are they going to do the 5K, the 3K, the DMR? Are they just doing the cross country? Um, But I looked into it. So if Mance runs a 747, BYU on their schedule, they're doing this. They're hosting. It's on their home track. They're doing like two mm-hmm. or three more of these. So BYU yeah, yeah. is basically going to be creating their own time trials to get their top guys to get top 16 marks. It looks like that's their plan. How many times do you think Mike Smith's text at Istone? Nice indoor <laughs> track you got there. Be a shame if you let me come and run with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it available for everybody? Or, or is it just room like... For like- Five, five more guys with really long hair. Is that is that not? Is it closed on Sundays or you know is there an opening? I come in, no one will be there <laughs> yeah. on Sunday. I can just come run a little my own little meet. Uh, what, uh, what, what if I bring a novelty check? Can I bring a comically large novelty check for an entry fee, and allow you to uh, let me run on that track? Look, if we're taking what Todd Lane said in that tweet seriously, which I think we should, there's no accidents in what races people decide to run. So if Mance is running a 3K, I think he's trying to get a 3K qualifier because I think he's going to try to run the 3K at NCAAs. And good sign for, obviously, BYU, but also a good sign just for him because he's had some health issues in, in, in the past year. So I, I think we should really we – should t- we should pay attention to what people are running and assume if they're running it that their intention is to run it all season or culminate with that race at NCAAs if they qualify. That's that's what I think. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to run. Yeah, there's no like. No, yeah, 
I, I have nothing to add to that. Well, I agree. I agree. If he's yeah. got, if they have, you said three other meets on tap in Provo, that gives yeah, them the flexibility three, yeah. to, yeah. So that gives them the flexibility to, to run a five thousand and then see where people at in terms of qualifying and then and then make a decision for that. I'm not saying it means he's he has, they're not going to have the, the option to scratch because maybe he gets in in the five, and then he wants to do cross country as well too. So he does the five thousand on that Friday doesn't run the three K to get an extra day of rest and then runs the runs cross country. That could be an option, but there might be people who take the three K spot, but then don't run it. They're like, if they have like, if they feel good, they run it. If they like, Oh, that five K was not needed some rest for the tank for the cross country meet. And then they scratch the three K. So we could, so we could have a three K race where like, Five of them scratch, and there's only like ten people in the field or something. Are you saying? Did you just float the possibility of an honest effort rule controversy that spans two championships? I think you just yes. did. Yes, and that is that is my dream because I've all, I've long been a fan of the honest effort rule. Uh, so to see it impact two championships over the course of two days, I'd be in heaven, Gordon. It would just be amazing. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could take spots. You could take spots. Yeah. I mean, who are you hurting? It's like, I mean, yeah. I mean, it would suck for like the kid who's like, just I want to go, and Connor Mance is like, I know I'm not going to run it, but I'm going to take the spot anyway. Uh, but yeah, I think I could see that happen. Well, what if you? I could... What if? What if NAU, according to your theory, they're in the hunt for the team title indoors, but they and they have guys who are 17th, um, 18th, 19th, or something on the list. But then they get blocked out by BYU. Yeah. It, it could make a difference, couldn't it? Or even the option that like, NAU's trying to, right? And in order for it to work, they need to do well in the five, and the five doesn't yeah. go as planned. And they know like there's no way we're gonna win now. So let's save our our bodies yeah. for cross, right? There could be that type of situation too. Who's in it? Who's in it for the team title? You mentioned Florida State. You mentioned Texas Tech. I'm guessing it's those two and Arkansas. And, like, what's the short list right now? So, I don't know if I should reveal this. I have been working on rankings. I've been working on Well, just tell me who's in the tier. Tell me who's in the tier. Okay. Hold on. I'm bringing them up. I have to. You don't need to read the actual list. here's, Here's the thing about the rankings. I don't know how to rank the mile, 3K, 5K, and DMR. I don't know how to do it. Don't do that. But you don't because you have no idea. Is Cooper Tier going to do indoors? Because that's a big difference for Oregon if he does indoors or not, right? These. So basically, what I did is I have a tier. I have a who's in the mix without any of those distance races. And then obviously, if you throw in a distance races, you know that BYU, Oregon, and NAU would get a shitload of points, right? But right now, the top teams are LSU, Florida State, Texas, Georgia. North Carolina A and T. That's where I look Not at the tech? top teams. Tech, Not I have tech. Tech is seventh right now. Even with ten points from Taki Hadeli. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're spreading them out. I mean, here's the thing, though. I have oh, everybody's right in your now. first tier. Basically. Yeah, I have Florida right now getting seventeen points. They're going to find a way to instead of getting one point in every event they get four points in every event and then all of a sudden they're back in the mix right um Mm -hmm. but the top team is lsu i would say florida state is there texas is there um okay but the points it's going to take to win i think it's going to be low 40s again the points it's going to take to podium will be mid 30s low 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 30s so if you can find a way to get to 35 points in just mm-hmm. distance events, if you're BYU, if you're NAU, if you're Oregon, hey, you could podium. And that's, that's okay, so you're, the balance that or, – or Arkansas, right? You could podium. You're saying top tier, LSU, Texas, Florida State, but Oregon, NAU, BYU could factor and in. Ar- and Arkansas. And Ar- Arkansas, depending on – the distance races. So there's those seven. Right. You also mentioned Georgia as well too, Florida. So you really didn't answer any of my questions at all with that. You just named well, every good you team over the last 10 years. I don't know. I just wanted some more, something I mean, a little more LSU's definitive. the favorite. How about that? LSU's the favorite. LSU's the favorite. 
why are you thinking people aren't going to run indoors? Why would you think Cooper Tier wouldn't run indoors? Because cross country. Yeah, I think oh, you're. Just... I think you're weighing too. I think you're way. I, I think you need to assume everybody's running everything. I think that's what what you should operate under, un- unless told otherwise. If they have and eligibility, should... they're running both. And everyone, everyone is going to double. Yeah. By double, yeah. I mean triple because they'll double and then do cross country. Or triple me might that? mean quadruple if you're all if you get the Oliver Hoare Award this year, which means Gordon. <laughs> Gordon thought your you know, team was going to win. So. You have like the note. You have like the the year in the goose con. Like, is he going to care about the? Is he once again not going to run the mile and do the DMR instead? Right. I think he's a thousand yeah. percent going to run the DMR, and I think he'll try to run cross country. Now you're right. Yeah. Maybe we don't know about the three k. I think everybody's going to be so jacked to run that they're going to want to run a bunch of stuff, and you might be off. Like there might be one or two people who end up pulling out, but I think as a whole. I think you won't – that's a good rule. You you won't go wrong by just assuming everybody's going to run as they normally would. Do you, think like Wesley, do you think like Wesley Kip to of Iowa State, you think he's going to do the five to three in cross country? Yeah. Yeah, because he could win the five to three in cross country. So why would you not – why would you not do that? Again, okay. they, may, they may play – they may decide that a, a different strategy is what works for them. But I think for your the purposes of your rankings – I would just rank them as if they're running it and then pull them out once you hear that they're not. Right? I mean, three times, two times over a weekend is fine. Everybody does that. 5,000, 10,000, 3K, 5K, DMR, 3K. Like, we see that all the time. That It's that third race where things obviously get complicated. But the third race here, we've talked about this before, happens to be the one that people really enjoy because it has the biggest team element to it. And you might just see a lot of DNFs in cross country. People get started and they get 2K in and they're like, oh man, this is not, this is a lot harder than I thought it was. I am really sore. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, run directly yeah. to the airport in Tulsa and we are out of this place. Yeah, I I mean, that, that seems to make the most sense for ranking purposes. And then you're not digging as deep to find Okay, people. so I'll update the rankings with... The projected mile 3k 5k dmr order and see well especially stand. the teams you talked about especially the teams you talked about oregon i think is a good bet that they're going to take indoor seriously and arkansas because they're hosting it is going to take indoor seriously nau byu a bit more of a wild card but at least with byu those guys they like to race so what about on the women's side get before we move on to a news item I want to touch on, women's side, do you have a, a top tier? Uh, not yet. I'll have that next. I have – once I, I haven't – I just finished the – literally, I put this together Sunday night for the men, do mm-hmm. the women today or tomorrow, and then hopefully by the end of the week we can actually make it public on the site. So just okay. uh, we'll right, wait, right. wait a little – a few more days before I have that. So it's 18 events. You know, I only did the first 18. I have to do the next 18. So – Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Okay, I'll assume NAU is number one in that too. I'll just go on that assumption <laughs> until we hear otherwise. Good assumption. Uh, go. Okay. Alexa Ephraimson Gordon announced she'll be training with oh. Pete Julian's group in Portland. Posted it on Instagram over the weekend. She had been with her high school coach for the duration of her professional career. PR is 403 in the 1500, which she set back in 2015 when she was 18 years old. Has some good performances at Olympic trials and U.S. championships, but hasn't yet made a a senior outdoor team. What do you think about this move? Well, first thought was Pete Julian's training group needs a team name. That's the first mm. thought. I, she announces that I'm joining a training group. Like, it's like, no, you want to say I'm joining the blank, blank track club or <laughs> blank, blank, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was my first thought. I know that's a minor thought, but uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I feel like, you know, changing coaches sometimes can be hard. And sometimes you may go an extra year or two longer than you, than you think. 
I, I just feel like it was time. I think she kind of had the stagnation of she, you know, like I said, she won 403 at 18, and then at age 23 or 22, she's running 404, right? Not that she mm-hmm. got worse, but she's just, like, staying in the same realm and had yet to, like, make that big breakthrough to become a 359 runner. Um, and I think having training partners is going to, like, do wonders for her. I don't think she's ever had a training partner before. I mean, her, she just, it was just her and, her and the coach. And I think now that she's mature now, she's not, like, a fragile, like, young like high schooler like trying to figure everything out i feel like she's now like just like a like a normal adult that's like 24 she she knows how to take care she knows how to like there's there's like you know you go through a lot of maturity i remember when i the way you are in 18 versus 24 is very different and i think she's probably at a mindset now where the running is more normalized to her she's more Mm -hmm like comfortable in their environment. She's not just like the new kid who's looking up at all the stars around her. She is like just one of the, the ladies on the starting line. And I think she's, she'll be fine. And I think maybe there was a thought that like you throw an 18 year old into a pro training group and that 18 year old is overwhelmed and like, just can't handle it. And it's like, I mean, you saw what Mary Kane has mentioned about like being like a kid and, and surrounded by these pros and like all the, like there's a lot of like social, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the word is, but like, it's not normal for an 18 year old to just be like, all of a sudden be a training partner with a, with a, with a 30 year old. Right. It's kind of, you're like, you're looking at your two different worlds, but they're being forced to be together. I think now that she's like a mature adult, 24, she'll be able to handle a training group very differently. And I think it's going to improve her. And I think Pete Rowland's, freaking good coach see what diamond's doing raven rogers is going to be doing well you see shannon roberry like post-pregnancy mm-hmm. like running out of her mind i think it, i think she's going to run well and i think if pete Rowland is able to turn her into what she can become talk about the 1500 field being hard to make if all of a sudden alexa is mm-hmm. running four four flat mm-hmm. we're like shit who's making the team right because <laughs> you thought yeah. it was hard to make it already but now if if Alexa is, you just got to ex- expect Pete Julian isn't going to take on an athlete unless he thinks that he or she is top three in the U.S. So, mm. I think it's a long way away saying I think it's good and I think she's going to get better and I think she'll probably be, I'll say right now, she'll run 359 within the next 18 months. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact, you're right. She stayed at that same 403, 404 time for a while, which she, she proved she could hit that time. But she didn't backslide at all. She stayed She stayed right there. So then you add in the training partners. You add in the new coaching philosophy, which that in and of itself, just making things fresh, spicing things up a bit after all those years has got to be worth some time. Here's another name that you didn't mention when you are talking about Julian's group that had a big breakthrough, Jessica Hall. Look at what she did yeah, over the yeah. last over the last couple of years from her time at Oregon. She transformed uh, and went up an entirely different level. So I think Julian, you know, he's got that 800 and, and 1500 distance pretty well figured out. We'll see what happens with Raven Rogers in her first championship season with with Julian. But yeah, I I I think it's only going to help her. Um. It's only going to help her running. I, I, th- I think you're right. When you're at 404, you're with a whole bunch of other people in the United States. When you get under four in the United States, in the 1500, in the women's 1500, then it's, you're looking around and you see Shelby Houlihan, you see Jenny Simpson, and maybe one other person who's having a great day. But there's just a huge difference between running 404 and running 359. And if he can get her to that spot, then he's going to put her in a position to make a team. So, yeah, I was, uh, I was, it made sense. Like she's lived in the, you know, she, she went to high school that way. So it, it made sense from a, from a geographic perspective and just, she's been there that long. She's been running with Nike. It, it made sense. Um, yeah, I, man, the time flies though. Like when I look back, I was like 2015 is when she ran that, that 403. It just, it seems like 
did, did not seem that long ago. Um, and then you look at these, you know, sixth in 2016, fifth in 2017. I think so much of our attention is always on the three who make the team. And we oftentimes just forget about four, five, six, seven, eight. Like they're yeah. just, an, yeah, yeah. So you're like, oh, wow. She was like, she was there. She was in the mix, but there's just so many women concentrated in that area. Yeah. I think if we, if it's May and Alexa is running, for like 402 mm-hmm. in May. Watch out. If she runs 402 in May of 2021, she she might make the team. Mm-hmm. That's my prediction. That's like the, the sign of whether what Pete has done the past six months is working. If she goes out and mm-hmm. runs like a, a sub 403. That's what yeah. I think. I, th- I think – Oftentimes you see that little bump too. They join a new group and there's just new confidence because they're doing different things and they get some, they hear different types of feedback. And a lot of it is psychological at that level because the margins are so small and that can attribute for, for attribute to a, a short-term improvement for, for sure. But yeah, something to watch. Um, no doubt. That's all the news. That's all the, that's all the, were there any other races you wanted to talk about? Over the weekend, anything else pop up? No. I mean, there were other fast 300s uh, that kind of went under the radar. The high school kid ran like a 32-second 300. Uh, Mm -hmm. Corey Patterson ran another fast 300. I know we gave 300 a lot of love for Clemson last week, but a week later, I feel like that mark is now It's timing, man. It's timing. You got to do it when no one else does anything. It's like the sixth best time now run. It was like world number yeah. one. What is it right now? Actually, that'll be actually an interesting thing. To... Are you gonna? Are you really gonna look up the the world lead of the three hundred? That's yeah. impressive that you're, that you're chasing that down. Not sure. I'm I'm more stuck on that. People are only gonna run standard distances. That's that's what I want to believe. If we have a week where there's no three hundreds or six hundreds, that's a it's a good week for me. Okay. Yeah. So it's now number three. But a okay. high, a high school kid ran three thirty ran thirty three oh one, so mm-hmm. Conwell went thirty two ninety seven. But then this past weekend, Chakori Patterson runs thirty two sixty one. Stephen Gardner runs thirty two seventy, and then a high schooler runs thirty three oh one. So, where did where did Stephen Gardner run that? He ran it at the Crossplex in Birmingham. Okay. The way I think of the 300 is if you're running 33, then you're doing 11 second hundreds, you're going to run a 44, 400, which, which is good, which is good. 44 second, 400 is, is good. Um, but, but you got to go to something under that to get my attention. That's the stand. That's the line I draw, Gordon, with 300s for the men. Under 33? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. At least you got to be faster than 44 second pace. You're running 75% of the distance. That's fair. That's a fair standard to hold, isn't it? Yeah. Or here's an idea. Just run a 400 or a 200. That's a better one. Let's just do that. It's 2021. No off distances. All right. Flowtrackpodcast.gmail.com. Thanks to Alon for producing. Thanks to Gordon for co-hosting. We'll be back tomorrow. No, we'll be back Wednesday. Sorry. Three days a week now. See you guys.